Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Dr. Karen Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. On today's program, we're talking about dating after divorce. Many of you have reached out to me and have asked me questions about how can you trust again after your heart has been shattered after a divorce or how can you possibly get back out there? You were married for 20 years and and the dating scene seems so different and so daunting. So I wanted to bring in an expert to really tackle this concern. And because I've not been divorced, you know that I called off a wedding and I spent 27 years on the dating scene, but I have not been married and divorced before. So I wanted to be sure I brought someone in who had expertise in this particular realm. And I've done that. So later in the program, we will talk to Anne Arette, who won the UK Dating Expert of the Year Award and knows a lot about recovering from divorce, finding hope again, and moving forward. So we'll bring Anne in in just a moment. But I wanted to start with some psych nerd stuff, something that could kind of ground us in some research. Because the question I get so often is, how can I trust again? How can I have hope again? How can I have faith again? And I always say hope is such a powerful thing. But why? Why is hope so powerful? And of course, it goes back to mindset and our frame of mind, which we talk about all the time in the program. But then it occurred to me as I was thinking about someone. So, for example, someone who's been hurt, someone who's maybe been cheated on, someone who's left a relationship so scarred and so devastated that they now look at love and romance and relationships with a horribly negative lens. And it's understandable. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's understandable. I have been there, felt that. You guys know that. I've had times when I thought, love isn't for me. It, it, it can't be. It's just not meant to be for me. And I know some of you have felt that as well. But what happens is that when we step into that mindset, we step into what psychologists call a confirmation bias. And what this means is that if I start to think, so for example, if I'd let the negativity overwhelm me after several heartbreaks, if I'd let it become my mindset, my lens through which I view the world, if I'd let it become all guys are out to hurt me, they're all dogs, they're all players, and they're all worthless, and none of them have any good intentions, and I'm just going to be played by them every last time. If that's my schema for men, that's another psych term we talk about schema, which is basically just like my conception, my understanding. If I let that become my understanding of men, then I now see men through that lens such that, and this is the interesting part, I have what we call a confirmation bias. And here's the crazy thing. I will now interpret what I see through that lens to confirm that lens, to confirm that perception, conception, or schema. 
So I'm now not just seeing what's in front of me. I am projecting onto what's in front of me what I believe to be true. So let me give you an example. Unrelated to dating, but it will make sense nonetheless. So if I have an ageist notion about, let's say, elderly people are bad drivers. They drive too slowly and they mess up traffic patterns, <laughs> right? Which I don't have because I'm not ageist, but some people hold this notion. So here's the thing. Say I'm driving down the road and I see 15 people. I'm on, you know, I'm on a road trip and I'm driving for two hours and I see 15 people who are elderly. And let's say that accurately speaking, factually speaking, only one of the 15 is actually driving too slowly in the left lane on the highway. But here's the deal. According to confirmation bias, that's the one of the 15, mind you, but that's the one I will notice and remember. The other 14 who were driving normally and driving like any 25, 35 year old, I will not even notice. I will dismiss them and I certainly won't remember them. Now let's bring it back to dating. My conception of men, if I decide that they're all dogs, what am I going to see? I'm going to see dogs. Why? Because I may see 25 guys in a given day. And the only ones that I'm going to notice and remember are going to confirm my bias. They're going to confirm my conception, my schema of men. So if I've gone through heartbreak, divorce or otherwise, and I've decided that the people that I am romantically attracted to are now no good, if I lock into that belief then based on confirmation bias, I will see what I believe to be out there. I will dismiss and not notice the good guys, the guys that really want to be a loyal, faithful partner. I won't even notice them. So bringing it back to hope, why is hope powerful? Because It starts with my belief. If I believe there's hope, if I believe that no matter how badly I've been hurt, that there are good people out there, that there are guys out there who would love me and be faithful to me and be true to me. If I believe that, if I can maintain that hope, then I alter my bias and my hope provides me with a confirmation bias that causes me to do what a confirmation bias does, to actively seek out experiences that will support my beliefs. And my belief here is that good guys are out there. So now I'm expecting to meet good guys and I'll notice them and remember them more than the jerks out there because the good guys are confirming my beliefs. They're confirming that bias. And in a way, we're using what we know about our cognitive processes and what we know from the psych research about confirmation bias to harness our mind, to take charge of our mind so that it can work toward our goals and help us achieve what we want, a loving, caring, faithful relationship. The hope keeps me from a bias that doesn't serve me, a bias that would literally cause me to dismiss the good people out there, the bias that would cause me to lock into, to only notice those who are confirming my negative schema of love. So hope's powerful and our mindset is powerful. 
I'm Audrey Mad Cronin, creator of mobile app Like So, your personal speech coach. My mission is to empower all of us to express ourselves articulately and with confidence, which is exactly why I'm a fan of Love and Life and Dr. Karen's philosophy of taking charge. And now, as promised, I'm pleased to welcome the UK Dating Awards Dating Expert of the Year, Anne Arrett. Anne, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, in your bio, you mentioned that you came to this space and to have this expertise in part through your own experience, having been divorced and then looking for love again yourself. Let's talk a little bit about what sorts of insights you came across along the way that help you now coach the women that you coach. Sure. I got divorced in my mid-30s, actually at a time where I thought I was going to be, you know, at at a high in my life, shall I say. I thought, you know, I'm going to have an amazing home, amazing husband, amazing lifestyle, having a family, um, you know, did really well in my career. This is kind of the vision that I had for my future. And, you know, that was kind of, it was all on track. And then all of a sudden, finding myself you know, having to start over in every every area. I think so many people can relate. It's just such a cataclysmic thing that happens in your life when your marriage breaks down. And I think one of the biggest things is, is the loss of your future, the way that you saw it and the way that you hoped for and the way that you dreamt about it. But also, on the other hand, what I learned um, in the process is that as sad as it was, it was probably given the two people that we that we were and given the things that we were dealing with with each other but also within ourselves that was probably inevitable that our relationship was going to break down because we were both dealing with things in ourselves you know many of the reasons why my previous relationships didn't work out was part of the reason why my marriage didn't work out and I never took the time throughout my 20s and until I got married when I was 30 to actually really get to know myself properly. I thought I did, but not in the way that I needed to to sustain a long-term relationship and marriage. I was I was working against myself, shall I say. So my divorce then gave me the opportunity to go back to, to my roots, so to speak, and get to the root of what was going on for me. You bring up so many points I want to underscore because one of the things you talked about was whether your first marriage was pretty much doomed from the start. And so we we did a podcast recently called Relationships Shouldn't Be All That Hard. And people kind of bristle on that because there's a lot of messages in, in our space about you got to work, work, work. And yes, of course, anything that you care about takes nurturing and tending to. But if the relationship is that hard, I'm always fearful that people married the wrong person for the wrong reasons or they weren't ready because another thing that you brought up that you hadn't done some of the intrapersonal work, the work within yourself to be best prepared for a strong, solid relationship with a life partner. And then the third thing I wanted to underscore, which is so important, it is easy again, like we said, in hindsight to look back and everything's so clear and that divorce was so painful and your world was completely turned upside down at the time. But now you see it, that was the pivot point for you. And your life, you you lost everything, but then gained everything because you were able to see the divorce, eventually at least, 
as an opportunity to rebuild a life that was in line with your gifts and your purpose that you couldn't possibly have known what your purpose was before. And now you're on another path that's entirely different. And if you hadn't had that at the time horrific experience, you wouldn't be in this place of bliss and resonating with your authenticity in the work that you do and the relationship that you're in. Absolutely. I, I couldn't say it better myself. Um, but, you know, when you when you say that, it's so much of it is that choice that you make to see things a certain way. I realize now, again, in hindsight, what a precious time in my life that was. But of course, at the time, if somebody said to me, and maybe somebody is listening to us now, who's going through this, if somebody said to me at the time, well, this is a very special, precious time in your life. If you can only, I would, I am the least violent person, but you know, I would probably (laughs) have done something or told them in very strong language to go away, I think. But um, there's something I think inside of us that keeps us going though, deep, deep inside of us when we go through these big things that brings us to a point that it's like, okay, you can still choose what you're going to do with this. Well, and another point that you make that is really consistent with my message, you know, the theme of my podcast is take charge of your thoughts, take charge of your life. And you mentioned that you saw, you had the choice to see your divorce in a certain way. And, and I'm with you because at the time, I remember having a hideous breakup in my late 30s after I called off my engagement and then I dated another guy and I thought he was the one and I fell in love and then he broke up with me and moved away. And I remember running into a mutual friend just randomly in the streets of Chicago. And he was like, hey, what's going on? How's Dylan? And I said, oh, yeah, we broke up. And he looked at me and goes, well, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> I just wanted to strangle <laughs> him. And like you, Anne, I am not a violent person. But it seems so callous. There is that tension that we deal with, you and I having been through what we've been through, wanting to share encouragement, wanting to provide inspiration, and yet also trying to be very sensitive that that is sometimes the encouragement, the inspiration is sometimes very hard to receive when people are in that dark moment. One of the hashtags that I, I, I tweet out and I put on Insta posts a lot has been there, felt that, because I want to remind my followers and listeners, I have been there. And I have felt that. But like you, I also want to provide that that little light at the end of the tunnel saying it's not going to be forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a tricky it's a tricky balance because there are times when we are ready to hear things and, and other times we just we're just not going to hear it. But that's all part of our process. Agreed. And things are are smooth sailing now. But also the reason that I, even the reason that I I chose the theme of the podcast is that nothing changed. I wasn't able to pull myself out of my depressed moments after, and I'll say seasons, after being broken up with in my late 30s. I'm I'm thinking, here I go again on my own. Is this ever going to work out for me? I wasn't able to pull myself out of that with any kind of magic trick. It was, it was just simply just refusing to let my mind go in that negative space, just saying, no, we're not. And that's the one thing I can control. I can't control that Dylan left. I can't control that my first engagement didn't work out. I can't control that the boys from college and and what I can control is what I will allow to be in my, my mind and my mental space. That's the only thing I can control. Absolutely. Looking back now, I became completely, um, not obsessed with, but 
maybe a little bit because I am a bit obsessed with love and dating and relationships. That's why why right. we do what we do now. I channeled my my energy and my my sleepless nights, <laughs> so to speak, and um, and my mind instead of going into very very dark places. At times, it did. It absolutely did, but I think that was also necessary, you know, mm-hmm. um, as part of the process. But I found ways of using that time. I feel I didn't think I was wise at the time, <laughs> but I think it is finding ways of using that time for yourself, but carving out just a little bit of time for you in all of that that's going on for to take your mind into a different place, whatever that means to you. Maybe that is a yoga class a week maybe it's a coffee date with a friend maybe it's a massage I don't know maybe it's just a walk somewhere it's so so important um and for me that just became because I was completely by myself I had no family around me I was in a in a different country I just started reading and researching you know I tried to to learn and to make sense and that was just it's my way of dealing with things but it really really right. helped because it gave me something some time out from my head yes. so to speak and and it's it was a way of taking control right absolutely I just was going back and forth with uh, someone who uh, we follow each other on Instagram and she was worried that she couldn't just she was obsessing And I said, some of the littlest things, I just did a blog post on it. Some of the littlest things that sound very corny and that they wouldn't work. After one of my really bad breakups, I would rip out the crossword puzzle out of the paper every morning and I would tuck it in my purse and I was taking the uh, L in Chicago. And so when you're sitting there for a half hour commute and your mind starts wandering, thinking about the X and obsessing about it and why didn't it go right and what could I have done differently? I would just stop myself because there was I wasn't going to get anywhere with this processing. Of course, we need to be analytical if we can use that analysis to make better choices in the future. But this was now just ruminating. And there's a lot of psych research that looks at the reality that ruminating is associated with depression because we're ruminating on something that we can't change. It's the past. It's over. It's done. It's not going to help all this obsessing and overanalyzing. And so I would just distract myself, which sounds so like, really, would that work? But it did. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. It's really simple things like that. So I think you know, finding really practical ways like like that is, is so so important, and it's part of it's part of your healing. It's part of taking care of yourself. It's part of being kind to yourself. Um, and it's not like you're avoiding things, but it's just you need to give yourself a break in some way. Anne, I want to talk about dating post divorce specifically. What are some of the particular challenges of dating post divorce? Maybe as opposed to just being in the dating scene in general. Well. Now, what I see so often is people just move on very quickly. So sometimes that uh, that's out of loneliness, or maybe it's out of boredom, or maybe it's out of just kind of seeing what's out there, just tasting the waters. Um, maybe it's just for sex, because maybe, you know, that was an issue in previous marriage. Whatever the reasons are, if you're coming from a place where you're still healing, and you're still hurting, then it's it's very it's a very difficult place to come into the dating scene so i i would say probably one of the biggest things is take your time you know to to get back out there again to get back to to where you feel strong and where you feel confident because you're dealing with 
doubting yourself and your judgment. You're dealing with the loneliness. You're dealing with your confidence that might have been lost in the process. You're dealing with not feeling very confident and maybe getting intimate with somebody, getting naked again, you know, after your marriage of 25 years and broken down. Um, it's such an emotional roller coaster. And also what happens when you get back dating is into dating is there are all these emotional triggers in any kind of situation. So you might be a bee with a new person and they might say or do something and it actually triggers a really strong emotional response in you, but that's because you haven't healed yet. You know, you're still hurting very much. And there are various bits of work that you can do, you know, working with a coach or or whatever is, is to help you through that process. You don't have to do it alone, even though it feels very lonely don't have to do it alone. And I would imagine that would be very hard, especially you mentioned someone who's been married for 25 years. They haven't experienced much of adulthood alone. And so with this enormous challenge of rebuilding a life that has absolutely turned upside down, I'm sure it would be very daunting to think I'm going to do this alone. I've, you know, I haven't paid a bill alone since I was 22 or I haven't made any adult life decision alone. So I think just having to do all those big pieces of work for their life for the first time solo, I think that would be a huge challenge. It can be. It absolutely can be. And it's also, you know, rediscovering your identity away from this partnership where you've been part of a couple, right? And all of a sudden, you're kind of left with with you and it's, well, who am I? <laughs> and And who do I want to be? So again, even though this can be some of the toughest, toughest times, this is also where the really big um, catalyst moments are if we choose to see it and to take those opportunities. You know, and I, I know so many people who are just so happy second time round. And I know so many amazing women that have reinvented themselves, gone on to have their own businesses, new careers. But, you know, we can, can come through it. Absolutely. Everyone knows I love nothing more than a party, which is why I'm so excited to welcome our newest sponsor, Chaotic and Collected Garlands and Party Decor by Jess Downey. Jess creates hip and handmade party supplies. Check them out at chaoticcollectedinc.com. And if your party has a theme that is a little unconventional, Jess is your girl because she loves creating custom designs for your party. Say a hipster baby shower or a craft beer party or my annual wine and cheese soiree chaotic and collected inc.com so i've had a listener reach out to me to discuss being an early divorcee she married young and divorced early and i'm going to read her question to you she gave me permission to use it on love and life and i wanted to hear your thoughts about it she says Dear Dr. Karen, I just wanted to reach out because I've recently found your podcast and wanted to tell you how great they are. I do have a subject I'd like to suggest, being divorced under 30. When I got divorced, most of my friends were just getting married. Very few had been divorced themselves, and if they were, they had children. I find myself very isolated, and I hear a lot of things like, well, at least you didn't have kids. Do you have any advice for me? Gina. So, Anne, do you have any, any thoughts for Gina? <laughs> 
Oh, Gina, I'm so sorry for what you have, you've gone through. I, I was 35 and people told me, well, at least you didn't have children yet. And, I, you know, I took that really, really hard. So, you know, I, I just want to... Yeah, what is that about? <laughs> Not to interrupt, I don't understand why that would somehow be comforting to some people. I don't know. I, I, I really... I, <laughs> when you're on the receiving end, it's certainly... Um, it's uh, it's hard, especially if that's part of your what you really wanted and was part of your your dreams. Um, so, Gina, I know this might not sound like much, but it's a breakup or a divorce is always a second chance, and especially where where you are now in your twenties, it's it's about creating the highest possible vision for yourself and for your life that you want and to not stop going after that for one moment but I also you know the age thing is is very um, interesting because I hear concerns about age whether somebody is in their 20s 30s 40s 50s or 60s everybody at every stage is concerned about their age for different reasons but the advice or the the support or the the, the thoughts around it um in, in my view doesn't really change it is it's interesting to hear people's concerns because you know i was 35 and i was very concerned about my age because who's going to want me and i still want to have a family you know my perception was that the kind of men that i was interested in was interested in 28 year olds they certainly wasn't going to want a 35-year-old that still potentially wanted a family. Another client in her 60s, her husband passed away nearly 40 years of marriage, and she just couldn't see, you know, how was she going to meet somebody? So at various different points, there are concerns about age. And I, I, I truly I truly get that. I don't think there's a very easy answer for it. And it's interesting that you talk about age being a factor, no matter what age your client is, they're probably going to talk about their age. And it's interesting because my next question for you was, what about those in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond? Do you mm-hmm. see specific concerns dating post-divorce or you even mentioned dating as a widow or widower based on age? Well, most of my clients are women in their late 30s and early 40s, right? So 37 to about 43. And there's a particular pressure there, especially um, is around our biological abilities and capacity to still have a family. So that's what I often see. Um, On the other side, women in their 30s and 40s um, often have small children, and are very concerned about meeting somebody that is going to want to take on a family with small children, for example. So that's that's an issue, maybe. Something that comes up for women in their 50s, worry about that the men in their age group, is they're only interested in women in their 30s and early 40s, for example. And then it's, you know, it's just at every every point there are concerns about this and you know it goes it goes both ways when we look around us there are people fall in love at every stage at every age every day all around us and it's the meaning like you're saying the meaning that you ascribe to your age for Gina for example she can make that marriage she can give it a lot of meaning and she can look at it as like oh my gosh I'm in my 20s and I already had this major life catastrophe or she could look at it as Well, you know, some people date for eight years, 10 years, and then break up and they're 28. 
well, I happen to get married, but I don't have to look at it as any more or less than what I choose to give it, the meaning. And the meaning is where the power is because the meaning that we ascribe to a situation is then feeding the thoughts that we're thinking, which are then feeding the emotions that we're having about a situation. So she could look at this as like, hey, I got divorced. Other people stay in a cruddy marriage for 20 years before they get out. I got out early. Good for me. You just took the words out of my mouth. Exactly. You know, I would never actively encourage divorce because it's just so traumatic and so destructive. But, you know, realistic enough to know that not all marriages are are meant to last. And and in this case, I, I hope, Gina, that you that you go on and, and create an amazing future and an amazing relationship and that you, you take all the learning that you can possibly can take out of this to, to help you on your on your journey ahead. Absolutely. Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. I'd love to connect with you on social media. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. Karen, D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. Here I share my thoughts on love and life through original quotes and images. I'd love to have you join the conversation. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. You can find me live tweeting my favorite shows, This Is Us, Will and Grace, and My Guilty Pleasure. All shows Bachelor Nation. On Facebook, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. There you can read my blog, see where I'm speaking, and find links to others' podcasts when I'm a guest on their show. Ane, I've also had several listeners reach out to me asking how they can learn to trust again after infidelity. Do you have any words of advice or recommendations for those who've been betrayed in a marriage or a long-term relationship? And I'm also going to read another listener question for you so we can kind of ground this with Jared's question. He says, hello, Dr. Karen. I recently started listening to your podcast, and I have to say I'm very glad I came across them. Over the years, I've struggled with happiness in the world of love. So to hear some of the things you said, it's really brought great enlightenment. I do want to ask or request, because it would be very interesting if you made a segment on how to regain trust in people. I know for me, I went through a series of bad relationships and realized that I lost trust in men and finding real love and happiness. Over the years, I encountered other people, usually men, that think the same way as I do due to a series of bad events. With that said, it would be great to hear your perspective and maybe suggestions on what to do when you haven't lost hope on finding that special someone that makes you happy, but you have a lack of trust. Thanks for your time and thanks for the informative podcast. And that's Jarrett. I think one of the the biggest things that I've learned, certainly when it comes to trusting other people, is that learning to trust somebody else again is that it's often a reflection on not trusting yourself because that's the you know that's kind of the starting point isn't it that you you need to be able to trust yourself the second thing is to and I don't want to you know sound can I say this I'm not Pollyanna about this but it's easy to become bitter and I've certainly seen this um you know when things don't work out and Finding a way of still staying hopeful, so hoping against hope, you know, just keeping that kind of positivity that everybody is not the same, that there are really good people out there, and that you have the capability and the capacity to find one of those people and to be in a relationship with them, is that that is absolutely possible for you. But a big part of it, I think, is forgiveness. Um, 
which is two sides of a coin, again, forgiving yourself for things that you might not have seen or things that you didn't know about, but also the other party or the other parties involved, because that's one of the biggest ways of staying stuck and actually becoming bitter and resentful. Is, is the forgiveness thing. But I think that's a whole episode on its own. But I think also one of the other things is, is to really, we talked earlier about taking control of your, your mind, you know, because we can so, we can put ourselves in some sort of prison almost and create this really powerful loop in our minds that I can't trust anybody. It doesn't matter who I get close to, they're going to let me down. They're going to leave or they're going to cheat on me or, you know, whatever story that is. And in many ways, that becomes a self-perpetuating reality because we project these kind of feelings that we have about distrust and disconnect um, onto somebody else. And, you know, that's not a healthy environment for a relationship to to evolve or develop in. That's so true. And I really want to underscore the hope piece. Hope is so powerful, though. And I want to share something that my one of my best friends, when I called off my wedding, I remember she was going to be my maid of honor. And I we were just talking about it. And I just thought, you know, again, I was 34. I was young. But in that moment, I thought that was it. You know, I'd had my shot. There'd been this really wonderful man who proposed marriage to me. And for whatever reason, which we talked about on your podcast, all the reasons, it didn't work out. And I remember looking at Heather and saying, you know, Heather, I just, I don't, I just don't think it's going to happen for me. You know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to find true love. I just, I have a lot of other wonderful things in my life, my family, my career, my friends, my travels, my hobbies. I have a great life. So I'm just going to be thankful for all of that. And I'm just going to let, let go of the hope that I'm going to ever meet the one. And she said to me, Karen, that's okay. I'm going to have hope for you. I'm going to hold out hope for you until you can have hope again. And that was such a beautiful word of encouragement and support that I really needed to hear. I never forgot it. And in the midst of what I encourage my single listeners, and I'm sure you do as well with your clients, Anne, I encourage people work hard at being okay on your own because the strength that you have being happy on your own helps you make those choices because you're, you're like, I'm okay. I'm good on my own. So I'm looking for love. I'm not giving up on love, but I can't compromise and, and settle. So being happy and hopeful and positive alone is so important, but you also need your tribe. You need your friends. You need, I'm, I'm a big fan of your your single lady girlfriends to support you because there's going to be times where you're going to have dark moments and you're going to lose hope. And then the girls are there for you and they say, you know what? I got you. You don't need hope tonight. I've got your hope for you. Love it. Oh, that really, oh, that really got, got into my deepest heart of hearts. That is, that's amazing. That is amazing. I'm sure that's going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Who's heard that. I share things that I wish I had information that I wish had been available to me when I was going through those rough seasons. And so I hope that what we share will be meaningful and powerful and encouraging. Ane, do you have any other parting thoughts to listeners uh, specifically about dating after divorce or dating in general or anything you want to share with them? And then, of course, please let listeners know where to find you. I just think something that meant a huge amount to me was um, I, as I went through my, those very, very dark times, I came across this uh, roomy quote and it said, your task is not to seek love, 
your task is only to discover the barriers that you've built against love and i found i found that so incredibly comforting actually because it said to me at that point in time it said to me that and i where and how and when this is going to happen for you is none of your business that is life's business and it's going to be amazing and it's going to happen for you when the time is right when you're ready um so you know just just leave that to life that's it's going to come it's going to happen okay but your business is to do your work your business is to go and find the ways that you have built barriers up against love and and basically that just means to get to the root and get to the bottom of why things haven't worked out for you so far the biggest thing and and i believe the biggest gift that you can give yourself when it comes to yourself and your relationships and even your family if you want to have one because often we can break the cycle of dysfunction in our families by doing our own work is to do whatever it takes to get yourself in the most confident strong um authentic and aligned place you can possibly be and from that place you will attract the right person for, for you from that place you will have healthy relationships so that would be my my takeaway is to to find out what your work is and 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 do it i think that's a beautiful and powerful reframe your job isn't to look for love but to remove any barriers that you may be unwittingly putting up because there's so much of it is is under the surface it's hidden right been with us for many many years but you know when i was little my understanding of love what i learned um about love and relationship was that it was drama it was very hard work and i had to um do things a certain way um you know i had to achieve and i had to be like little perfect little miss perfect the little good girl you know to get the love and affection and validation that i needed and wanted and then if i made a mistake or i messed up and then it got taken away just as easily and it was very unpredictable i did not have a sense of that you can just be loved for who you are and that was enough and good enough so it's no surprise whatsoever that i then repeated those patterns throughout my adult life you know it got me into to trouble specifically in my first marriage and it's still till this day you know i still need to fight that kind of is this good enough is this going to be okay you know because it's um but now that i'm aware of it now that i've done the work around it it's an ongoing process but you know it massively influenced my understanding of relationships and my my relationship dynamics so that's just you know just as a practical example and i find that when i work with my clients when all is said and done we always go back to these kind of things that is that are running the show behind the scenes and and that's where the real work is no thank you for that practical example we talk about that in family systems therapy the recapitulation of family of origin issues so whatever we haven't been able to work through in our childhood which we are kids we don't have the tools or the capability to work through these emotional issues so we tend to bring those to our relationships in adulthood and oftentimes try to work it out in adulthood and so to the extent that we can do that emotional work we with our adult mind now with a, that sense of adult objectivity to to say huh this is my pattern and what's that about and it's not working so now as an adult I do have a choice 
in childhood, we don't have a choice. We're born into a family and we got to make the best of it for 18 years. But once we are in our adult life with our adult mindset and our objectivity, then then that's where the power is to, to make changes. But oftentimes it takes a couple failed relationships before we fully have clarity on that. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> and thank you also so much for coming on the show. Please let uh, listeners know where to find you on social media, your website and so forth. And also, do you work across the Atlantic? Could any listeners uh, sign on with your coaching? Absolutely. I um, I work all across the world. I've got clients in LA and New York and Australia and up and down the country here in England. So, you know, yes, I absolutely work online. Um, and my website is very easy to remember. It's just datingcoach.uk, datingcoach.uk. I'm on Instagram, Anna Dating Coach, Twitter, Dating Coach. <laughs> Um, email is anna at datingcoach.uk so very very easy so yeah any questions or comments or anything that I can clarify I'd be I'd be happy to there is a link that I maybe um, can provide to you to your listeners which is just a free gift and it's one of the tools that I use with my clients but it's around seven questions um, to uncover your hidden blocks when it comes to love and uh, it's like for those who like journaling especially it's uh, it's seven key questions with lots of guided prompts and so on and it's a it's a very popular um tool that i use with my clients and um yeah it, it goes deep and um the, the stuff that comes out is is really helpful well that would be great thank you so much for providing that and yeah, and we will let our listeners and followers, uh, we'll, we'll let them see some Instagram posts when we connect this summer when I'm in the UK. And so thank you so much for the invitation to come out to Bath. I'm so excited to meet face to face. And this is going to be a real treat. And so uh, everyone follow along and you will see us when we get like two little schoolgirls oh, all so getting excited. to see their BFF for the first time. <laughs> so... Exactly, exactly. Thanks again, Anne. I appreciate it so much and look forward to seeing you soon. I'll see you very soon. Thanks, Karen, and thank you to your listeners. Take care. So the love and life hack for this week is you have a confirmation bias. Is it working for you or against you? Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen anderson Abril. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, make it a great week. Dr. Karen Love and Life is produced by Chip Gregory, senior producer Michelle Musso, and host and executive producer Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. 